Welcome back to a Starts With You podcast with me, Mark Hopkins. Um, in this episode, I get to speak to a really awesome guy called Nathan Benham, who is uh, in the construction recruitment industry across um, Canada, America, the UK. So real wide variety. He's got some fantastic clients as well in this marketplace. Really interesting guy. We got talking properly in the last couple of weeks, and it just triggered me to think, i got to get this guy on a podcast. He's got some real good opinions and I agree with a lot of what he says as well. So really good chat so i hope you enjoy nathan introduce yourself who are you um what's oh, your yeah. um so yes um i am a recruiter everyone's favorite person um but uh, yeah no, i've been <laughs> recruiting now for just over five years um surprisingly i still have hair um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, um, it's good. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically I recruit for structural, civil, facade, engineering, design consultancies across, um, the UK, but specifically London and sometimes Bristol, Bath and a couple of other areas if my London clients need things doing in their other yeah. offices, basically. Um, and then several cities in uh, the US and Canada. You're based, uh, you're based down in Southampton, aren't you? I'm based either in Southampton or Vancouver, generally speaking. Yeah. Oh, um, interesting. Oh, we'll yeah. get into the we we'll get into the Canada part of that in a second. Um, yeah, let let's. I'll get all depressed about it. Oh, we'll talk about it in a bit. Um, so, so, so construction. How is that? How is business for you at the moment? Is it a bit like me in the manufacturing world? A bit slow um, and tedious. Well, I, I think the the beginning of the year didn't feel good um but the results say otherwise but then again i think that everybody had that feeling through the whole of last year oh. that everything felt like really hard work and then a lot of people got to the end of the year like clients you know and yeah. said yeah that felt like a really really tough year like throughout the whole thing it but, was you know, a lot of my clients had their best ever years performance wise you know um so yeah the feeling didn't match up with the reality, I suppose. That was that was kind of how I perceived the whole of last year. The Brexit comings and goings. You know, March it was moved, June it was moved, then it was moved to October, uh, then it was kicked in the long grass for a couple of weeks whilst the elections was happening. Then it was moved to end of January, and here we are now in a, a completely different world where Brexit feels like ten years ago. Um, yeah, and even the, even the start of this year was funny because like January, uh, December, yeah. January, February were quite good months from a from a business perspective there was a lot of hiring going on and you know i, I, I capitalized pretty well in, in that period but even then at the beginning of the year there was a lot of pause and reason for it as well you know like obviously boris shuffled his cabinet around blah 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 the budget getting released got delayed and by the time the budget got released which is when a lot of people uh probably would have pressed green buttons at that point should there be nothing no it other was problem? <laughs> there was. Um, I was starting to get work um, February because I had really horrible year last year. There wasn't much in the market um, in the manufacturing world. And, and around about February, I was having really, really positive conversations. Businesses yeah. were starting to hire. And yeah. it was, oh, wow. It was like, oh, we're back. We're back. We're getting into gear now. We're in second gear. We're going to get into third in the second. And, yeah, then, exactly. and then it just disappeared. Like someone turned the tap completely right. off. 
it. Um, well, it, it, it just seems just seems over the past few years, just seems to be one thing after another. Obviously, we had the whole Brexit thing hanging over us like a cloud, which four years. Fair, you know, I, th- I think the market, at least from my perspective, remained really strong throughout it. There was just a lot of caution um, at all times, and it became very, very job-led rather than candidate-led. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was a it was a very very different method of recruiting versus four years ago, for example. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, by the, by the time that the budget got released and everyone might have been in a position to then get going and, you know, uh, kind of turn that um, positive feeling and prospects and everything into reality, by the time that budget got released, obviously we had the virus kicking off. So it's just been one thing after another, really. And that's been the pretty much the story for the last 10 years, I've found where there's been one thing or the next. We came out of the recession. There was a little of a delay. 2012 things picked up, and then we got to 2015, 2016, and then we had Brexit. And it, there hasn't been a period of time in the last ten years where we could safely say we've had nothing impo- you know, that's going to implode in front of us and cause problems. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I was a Remain voter, and when I said. Oh, let's get Brexit done. Let's get it sorted. Let's get it out of the way so we can just at least move on and have a period of something, of yeah. calm or just just something so we can all, as as business um, units, start focusing on your plan for the future. Um, yeah. oh, it's just, I, I don't know what to say. COVID-19, this virus, um, is it's going to change everything. And if people don't think it is, I think they need to, to, to really look at themselves on why it's going to change. It's going to change a lot. It's, it's, it's gonna it's gonna have impacts on everything not just the business world and then the repercussions of that yeah. um and obviously what's to come but it's going to change the whole landscape of the working world and the longer the longer this situation goes on for and at the moment nobody has a freaking clue how long it's gonna go on for oh god um, yeah the longer it goes on for the more change there's going to be basically because if this is a one two month thing okay um i think that everyone pretty much goes back to normal from a work point of view and by that i mean uh, i agree back in office, yeah right? there's a bounce back there will be an economic bounce back in one or two months I, I you know come end of may if we start seeing everything return to normal in june even kids go back to school for six weeks um, yeah. I, mean, then, I, I mean more from a okay what are you going to do with your workforce point of view because i think that if, if it's a case of okay one or two months with this whole remote working gig and everything yeah i think after that one or two months everyone goes right that was crap let's get back to normal i think that if it goes on for three to six months for example oof. i think then the likelihood of remote working becomes being introduced to more businesses as a more normal thing, I think that's going to yeah. become a reality. Um, but I don't think it necessarily will be if it's just a month or two. I think that everyone yeah. will go back to, you know, come to the office, do your, do your work and go home. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if it's over a more sustained period where, you know, people are going to have to prove they can do it because, you know, you're going to have to get on with your stuff, right? Um, it's true. It's, yeah. You know, companies are going to, either come out of it with no confidence that their staff can work remotely or bags of it um and whichever way that goes is going to impact what happens moving forward because especially in london for example speaking of my clients you know especially the ones who are taking to the remote working thing pretty well yeah um, you know they're already thinking about okay well 
I don't think necessarily a lot of people want to work remotely full time, but I think a lot of people would love to do it two or three days a week. Right. Yeah. Um, and if that's a possibility, then, you know, in my, it's different in your world because people go to factories and whatnot, I assume, but yes. in yes. my world, you know, it's office space. So a lot of my clients are thinking, well, if this works, we can freaking save half our, half our office costs, you know? But, um, yeah, but you look at the recruitment world where 99.9% of it is office space. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's just us self-employed guys which work mostly from home or from remote offices or shed or, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but the recruitment industry has been very much in denial about letting their people work from home at the mouth. <laughs> People well, like, you know why it is. You've obviously worked within recruiting businesses in the past, right? Yes, fifteen yeah. years, mate. Fifteen years in the industry, so it's yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> there you go. You've you've yeah. seen your fair share of shit. So you know, essentially, I think that a lot of people in recruitment need to go to an office because if they didn't, they wouldn't. Um, how do I put this nicely? I don't think enough recruiters actually give a shit about what they do, um, and I agree. their reputation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think that if you can do it by yourself and motivate yourself to do it, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. that's because you're invested in numerous ways into the job, right? Um, but I think a lot of people, which is why the turnover rates are horrendous, either aren't very good, aren't motivated enough, um, need somebody setting them KPIs every day to do their job. Like, you know, I've never been that type of person. Um, yeah, I will yeah. go to work for myself. You know, I don't go to work for a company. Um, you know, what I do might benefit that company and that's great, but I've always thought of it. This is me, you know, this is a reflection on me. So whether I'm working for somebody else or myself, I don't think who I am has changed as a result, if that makes sense. I agree with that. And, and that was one of the things when I first started my own business, I was working on my own and nothing changed because the same, the same thing in my mind was always there and how to do my job day to day. I take a lot of messages from um, employed recruiters asking me, how do you do this? This is really alien to me. How am I not working from home properly? And yeah. it, it, it's... You, you're now thrusted into something you never thought you needed to do. Are you like me? Do you um, have like, you've obviously over the years got yourself a way of working that's proven to work, right? Yes. At least most of the time it will work for you. I mean, my day, I tend to incorporate three or four key things and I will do those three or four key things every yes. single day because over five years it hasn't failed me. So, you know, my, my, my schedule and the key things I do daily mm. do not change from day to day. That's the same, exactly the same. And anything you add to that, or I do have a bit of a structure. Some days I do certain things, some days I do other things. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a formula that I follow. And, and then within that formula, I can do other things. I can go out for a jog or I can go to the supermarket or I can, you know, basically it's a work-life integration. It's yeah, not, exactly. it's not work-life balance. Everyone working from home today, I think they're trying to find a work-life balance and it's not possible. And we discovered this, us self-employed guys discovered this mm-hmm. right at the beginning. And I think they're now starting to come full term with it. Um, people now. But talk when about- everything's so readily accessible for you, especially at a time like this where you have probably nothing better to do anyway. Yeah. It, I imagine, well, actually I know because I've spoken to people that some people are finding it very hard to disengage from 
the work um maybe under usual circumstances they wouldn't but i fear they still would because i know how it is um but having everything at your disposal say for example you're sat there and you know if you're like me you overthink and your mind will always be thinking about at least one thing um so yeah. i can be sat there not doing a lot and i'll kind of look at, and obviously you know my space is my space right so my work and, and life are in the same place um and if i'm sat there like oh, i'm not really doing anything um essentially from my perspective i'm thinking oh well is there anything i can go and do work wise and the answer is that always is you know yeah exactly whether it's writing a blog or or doing something little all the way through to phoning clients and candidates and speaking to people all day every day and yeah i totally agree with that um i'm worried for the ones which haven't found their way yet in you know we're week two into this and they're they're struggling they're struggling mentally and they're struggling physically yeah. to do work i'm worried about those guys i think there are those guys out there you and i know who are, yeah, yeah they're, they're definitely out there um but i think for, for a message for those guys is don't panic don't panic you'll find it it will come to you in the end yeah exactly i mean my my, my concern um really and the people i feel most sorry for at the moment other than those that are unemployed because that's the worst possible oh. position you can be in right now. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you're not going to, you can't, you've got nothing to benefit from, you know. Um, yeah, that's a real bad position to be in. I mean, I know some people that have, you know, maybe returned from other countries recently um, and kind of came back with the view of hitting the spring because that's generally a good time to obviously find jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. As things turn into the new financial year, and you know, the reality is these guys and girls could be waiting a month, two months, three months, four months to now get a job, even though they're f- like phenomenal people, you know? It um, could be longer though. If we come out of this in a recession and there's a good, good chance we may come into a recession out of this, um, yeah. that, that, that length of time could stretch out. I don't want to be the harbinger of doom there, by the way. Well, no, I, th- I, th- I think we all know if, if you're a realist, I think that, you know, that we're about to go into a recession if we haven't already. Um, so it's just how drastic that recession is going to be. And that now kind of relies on how long this goes on for. Um, well, there's economic modelers um, at the moment, which is saying we're, we've, we entered the recession two weeks ago when COVID started, you know, when the stock market crashed. Yeah. Yeah we entered the recession because it was concessive stock market crashes for like four or five days in a row. I don't think it's doing too bad now. I think they're trying to float a little bit, the stock market, but it, that was the moment we entered the recession. And from their kind of perspective, the problem we have now, if GDP keeps dropping every month or every kind of day that this, this continues, um, there's going to be a moment where, because GDP apparently is connected to life expectancy apparently and there's going to be a moment where the gdp drop and life expectancy drop will equal worse than covid19 so there's the economy is literally killing people um because you know people are not eating people are starving themselves to death people can't get jobs um could be anything investments gone bad businesses gone out the window people chucking themselves off buildings that's horrible i know but it's the reality situation i mean you know the the you know I've, I've talked about it before but you know for example like the suicide rate in this country particularly for men um is oh, horrendous, horrendous and i can only imagine that that's going to be peaking during this process. They are um, they are talking about it actually. Um, I think they're covering up a lot of kind of facts and figures like domestic violence has gone up. But the Welsh, yeah, yeah, but the, the, the Welsh uh, police put out a video on Facebook this week saying that 
domestic violence reports have dropped by nearly 50%. Yeah, probably because they can't leave the room, so whoever's doing it is stopping them making the call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they do. Yeah, they, just, they can't run out the door, can they? They can't get out of the house. Um, yeah, no. So, so we're going to see a lot of um, kind of. Well, I know a few police. They've told me some stories in the last couple of weeks already. Um, yeah. So it's it's yeah, it's quite nasty out there at the moment. And it's petty things as well that are starting to happen. Um, they're getting called for like you know arguing over who should make the dinner and stuff like that. Oh, for God's sake! I, 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 oh, this the, the, my favorite one because I, I won't tell you who who my family member is a, as a police officer because people listen to this know me really well. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um, uh, she she told me um, once that uh, um, a mother phoned the police because her mobile phone went missing and it turned out to be upstairs in her daughter's room. And that was four police officers, police time wasted, you know, people answering the phone, people then calling the, the officer on the radio to go and attend the situation. Um, and it turned out the phone was upstairs. You just couldn't be bothered to look around the house. Whereas... Uh, you know, my argument is why I mean, did for you, God's sake, you know, police, shouldn't, police shouldn't be going out to bloody lost mobile queries anyway, should they? That's well, this is it. I think I think um, the query was she was mugged. I think that was the original, and then when she walked through oh. the door, it was not a mugging. It was I've lost my phone. What oh, the fuck? You, you, you know, come if you've on. been mugged, right? Come on. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I th- I think some of us have been mugged right now by that. You know, what I mean, it's just uh, oh, the st- the stuff that she she sees, um, and even with this lockdown and and, and another male uh, friend of mine that's a police officer um, in the in the Midlands, uh, yeah, there's the stuff he's seeing and the stuff he's hearing. Um, people just just can't bloody use their mind use their heads properly it's it's, it's absolutely extraordinary what's going some, on some, some people just love drama as well you know there's there's, there's always oh, those yeah. and she, she 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 might have just been uh wanting some human uh i think contact. so well <laughs> t- talk about that you know t- just st- sticking with the virus and kind of people needing human contact the, 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 the amount of old people i'm seeing on the streets at the moment and in supermarkets when most of them should be really locking themselves down and, and looking after themselves because you know the vast majority will have a, a health condition yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's extraordinary there's a couple old couple but they're in their late 80s every time he cuts the grass and i'm washing the car I'm, i we have a little chat and uh he's out every day he's he's been out more now than i've ever seen him um, so it's it's extraordinary um, yeah people always want what they can't have don't they so essentially um yeah if you get told to stay indoors you want to go out more than ever um whereas you know in in normal life when you've got the option to go out some well i don't know about you but i'm i'm quite a homely person so you know sometimes i'm like oh do you know what can't bother i just want to stay in (laughs) i think i think coming back to us being self-employed i think that's one of the things we're really good at is staying in you know we could spend a couple of days in the house and not really worry about leaving the house um, because we're more concerned about trying to fill jobs or get more jobs on or make money, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a different, it's a different mindset for us, isn't it? This is normal to us, isn't it? Really? I, I think you. I don't know what type of person you are, like you know, in in day to day life. But I've always been fine with my own company, like no yeah. problem. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, I, I tend to have a. Well, I've always had a very, very close, small group of mates basically and you know they're the only people i really invest time in seeing to be honest with you you know business aside um yeah. so you know can i spend a lot of time by myself and be perfectly fine 
yeah sure but it's it's really entertaining um seeing people my kind of age you know in their 20s we've obviously grown up in a generation where everything's so readily accessible blah 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 you know um and there's people that are really struggling to be themselves if that makes sense without being able to see everybody blah 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 i think i think some people are really reliant on other people to be okay if that makes sense yes Um, whereas i am more reliant on myself being okay (laughs) so uh yeah it's interesting yeah i've noticed this and you do get the couple of the odd friends that always need people around them all the time um and i think they're the ones who always do those dramaistic kind of facebook updates you know oh i can't believe that's <laughs> happened again and that's it they leave it like that it's like come on come on i'm not, I'm, I'm not on facebook i had to come off there about five years ago i'm far 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 too opinionated <laughs> oh god i, I, I rubbish you see on there and just like oh my god like you know i'm not i'm not the most intelligent guy right but i will say i've got a lot of common sense and some stuff i just see and i'm like oh my god i'm I'm having to hold myself back um to not say something here and i was just like nope you need to go you need to go uh so yeah the only social media i have now is linkedin and instagram and i look at instagram as more of a way to uh save my favorite photos more than anything else yeah, that's a good that's a good way of putting it. Actually, I I still don't get Instagram. If I'm honest with you, I just don't get it. Um, everyone seems in to be moving. days like this. You need it for the memes, Mark. Yeah, I go to TikTok now for memes. That's that's quite hilarious. If I'm honest. I have I I've 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 not got into this TikTok yet, and I haven't got into this house party thing either. Um, mostly because both of them seem um. I'm, I'm quite a stubborn guy, Mark, and they both seem, <laughs> they both seem a bit sheepish. So when, when, it, when everybody runs towards something, um, tends to be like status quo kind of things. I'm like, yeah, I don't need that. I'll go and do something different, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, um, it's interesting. But, but what, do you, what, what, do you, what do you think is going to be, um, what changes do you think? Uh, obviously nobody's recruiting right now i mean you know i've, I've got one job available right now and it's yeah same here same here and i could not believe it getting called in last thursday evening i i had to take a deep breath and then come back to the conversation um but um you know i've got one job available so i think that you know two weeks ago when i was just about to come back from vancouver i was honestly thinking that whole week i was like do i come home or do i stay here because if i'm going to be in lockdown i'd rather be locked down there than where i am now you know yeah um i came back anyway just for yeah various reasons um and uh you know two weeks ago i was thinking this is gonna be a really 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 shit time let's be honest yeah um and you know when i got back to work not monday just gone monday before you know over that weekend when i got back i thought you know there's no such thing as wasted time like okay you might not be making any money business might not be great for a month two months three months but as i put in a post um sometime last week you know i know a lot of people haven't been kind of battering my markets for five years right yeah but there's still probably 30 percent to 40 percent of the people that i want to know you know just know um and help along the way and maybe one day i'm going to work with them yeah but just get to know you know because i know i can add value to people even if it's you know even if it's not helping you find a better job there's things i can do along the way in your career that are beneficial to you don't necessarily benefit me any more than developing a relationship with you but benefit the people right so you know i think that the way i've looked at it is if i can come out of 
however long this process is and depending how long it is i would you know expect different results but say it was a couple of months of this if i could come out knowing half of the people that i would like to know but don't know yet yeah i got um, you benefiting from a bad situation you know yeah. um, and uh yeah you know i think i think we just need to work towards being ready for when things do get better um and yeah you know sitting around for a month or two now just because you know you're not going to make any money just seems ludicrous i don't know about you but i would drive myself insane by doing that we're all going to drive ourselves insane though but you're right we shouldn't be sitting around for the next couple of months waiting for stuff to happen and just i mean a lot of people saying double down on marketing i just think just carry on doing what you normally do what you can control and focus on the things that you know work um but with the expectation you're probably not going to get a quarter if not 10% of what you would normally get in a normal time frame. Um, yeah, totally. So, so, you know, just keep moving forward and, and don't worry about, and this is where I think agencies, I hope they have, have dropped the KPIs because the KPIs are meaningless now. Oh, Jesus Christ. Imagine going in and being, I mean, well, to be fair, you're probably going to be doing some bloody good KPIs right now because everyone wants to chat. Um, but at the same time, imagine being going in and being given KPIs for like interviews each oh. week at the moment. Bloody hell. I haven't booked an interview for three or four weeks. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm, I'm not, I'm normally book about 10 to 15 a week. Yeah. Well, it's, it, the norm is gone, you know, the, oh, yeah. picking up jobs or interviews or maybe placing people, some sectors. So I'm, I'm hearing some people are still placing people, which is fantastic. I mean, I've got a job. I've got well, a guy in IT, surely. Yeah. Would you hope so? But there's not apparently, you know, computer games industry, um, some engineering jobs are still being placed at the moment. So I'm hearing some stuff is still happening. Um, I bet the computer industry is going absolutely loopy. I mean, I've started playing Grand Theft Auto again. Jesus <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's interesting because there are pockets of markets where they're doing extremely well. And then um, things have changed really quickly. I think things are going to continue changing over the next couple of weeks. Certain companies will get braver and think, right, the end of this is coming. I need to start recruiting now. Or I need to start thinking about when we come back, um, and and how. I think it's going to be very case by case situations, right? I think. Yeah. I think there's going to be a complete lack of correlation for a little while. Yeah, I I think so. Companies that are busy and others that aren't. You're going to find some companies that are having to furlough people, and others are, in fact, Actually, looking at workload saying could really do an extra person or two right now. That whole um, furlough thing, by the way, where companies are just furloughing staff, yeah. um, to me, that's basically pausing redundancy in some circumstances. Um, Potentially, but it's, 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 it's really good for those people. Um, oh, yeah, totally. Essentially, you know, uh, okay, you'll rather be furloughed right now than made redundant, right? Um, yeah, don't if worry. you're made redundant, you then don't have the income and you're not going to get another job more than likely right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah you're better off with the furlough situation although i understand it you know particularly for maybe younger people like especially people like in their core learning years that's going to be frustrating because if it's like two or three months or or longer um you know that's experience lost it's not money lost it's experience yeah, lost. Um, right. and it's just like a delay on progress and a delay on life basically it's it's fascinating isn't it the other thing about this whole this whole situation in the next couple of months is um i think the 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 locking down was the easy bit i think it's the coming out of lockdown i think is the difficult bit (laughs) and how they're going to do that because if you think about it right when when you had all the karens 
go run into this to Western Supermare to have an ice cream the other week. Um, <laughs> All the Karens. <laughs> yeah, because you know the ones I'm talking about. I, the, the virus won't affect me. I'm going to go and have an ice cream on a beach with a billion yeah. other people at the same time. And then yeah. we saw a death rate spike this this week, <laughs> which yeah. is, happens to be ten days after it. But I'm not making a connection. But I'll leave you guys work that one out. But um, you know, so so when we come, say for instance, Boris Johnson then. You know, comes on the TV and says, "All right, lockdown's finished. We're just going to have everyone just flock to the beaches and the countryside again, and and head on the trains and go to work. It's going to be a freaking nightmare." It, it is. is. I mean, you may, you may as well just extend your isolation a little bit longer until things do really get back to normal. Um. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. I think it's. I think we should hold the kids on off school now until September. Let's let them go back in September, and then between July and August, phase return certain sectors back into the into the workforce. Um, so what yeah. Do think, what do you think a lot of companies could be doing now? Um, what could they be doing? Their recruitment processes in time for when they do start recruiting again. I think they should be now knocking on the doors of, of, of recruiters they like or want to work with or the PSL or whatever, however they do recruitment. And I think they should be having Zoom conversations or telephone conversations or, or just some sort of communication saying, right, this is our plan for the next 12 months. This is where we think we're going to start needing staff. Can you start looking into the market for us? Now, good recruiters will go, yeah, damn right. I'll look at that market. I'll go and get a bunch of people and I'll say to them, I've got, I may have some jobs for you and, and that could be coming in September. So what, how do you feel about that? And then kind of warm that market up and warm those groups of candidates up. It may never happen, but it's something. I, mean, I, th- I think good recruiters are doing that anyway, right? Good I, I, I freaking hope so. I hope so. Yeah. They should maintain their, can, their, their network effect, effectively. Correct. And if you do that, then you should always know who's potentially about to be open to something because maybe they're yeah. not that happy right now but maybe not unhappy enough to start yeah. looking elsewhere just yet um you should know who is looking yeah. um, and you should also know your network well enough to know that if a certain job does come up and by job i mean a certain type of job slash opportunity yeah that even if they're not looking you know their situation well enough to know that you're offering something better by reaching out about yeah. that job for but, but also I think with, with, with especially in my sector for some reason companies whenever there's a, a financial difficulty in the market they pull back on recruitment straight away whereas mm-hmm. there is handfuls of companies which I, I, I follow and I'm blown away by them when this financial situation happens in the market it doesn't matter if it's COVID or, or recession they do the opposite they recruit more and there's a real it's kind a of post about Nestle the other day yeah, it was me. The post about Nestle. Yeah, the other day. yeah, yeah. Um, so, so what these companies do? They they start recruit. Well, not recruit more is the wrong word. Recruit more, but the market then has opportunity for really good people in the market because they're now more freer to have conversations, or they're finding themselves in a situation being made redundant. You could pick up some really good people very quickly, um, and then you've got companies then which are pulling back on recruitment and not engaging and saying to recruiters, "Sorry, I'm not recruiting right now." We're not asking the question if you're recruiting. We're asking the question, when are you going to recruit and what shall I do in the meantime if you want to engage with me whilst, whilst you're recruited? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the method I'm really taking right now is um, with with clients, one, oh, I, can, I completely get it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Would, would I go on a recruitment drive right now? Absolutely not. Um, you know, no, no chance. I, I, I want to know what's happening with this elephant in the room first of all um you know forget workload forget workload workload's now not even the main focus 
the viruses. Um, so relevant of workload, you know, I think that people, even if they need, even if they could foresee that they're going to have a really busy two, three months where people are going to be stretched a little bit, but yeah. maybe can't see too far beyond that because it's all too unpredictable. If I was in that person's seat, would I hire somebody? No, I'd have a very polite conversation with my staff and say, look, guys, here's the situation. Yeah. I'll be going to be stretched a little bit for the next two, three months, but, you know, I can't risk growing this workforce right now because everyone knows the situation, right? But but there's always jobs companies need, though, to fill. And I think sometimes this is the time to start thinking about those jobs. I mean, in my sector, there is anyway. There's like maintenance engineers. Even when the company's doing bad or doing good, they still need maintenance engineers to, to deal with the, the machinery and, and the, the problematic issues. Or some of them are field service, so they need to go around the country solving other people's problems. So there's always yeah. those two. But they still hold them. They still put them on hold. And also, when we come out of a recession, um, is, I don't say like this in your, in your sector, the number one job at people need the most coming out of a recession is a salesperson. Yeah. And, and I don't, you need business quickly. You need business quickly. And I don't know why they're not bringing people on board today to start selling when they come back in August or in July or in June, whenever this is. Pipeline building, prospecting. Prospecting right now. It's going to be awesome, isn't it? And you're going to then, you know, I know factories shutting down at the moment with full order books. Yeah. so when they're coming back they're, 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 they're in high gear they're going they're going in the right direction yeah. um, which is why I think this economic bounce back is going to happen but it won't be as big as we think it is we're probably going to be about 80% the way we were in March and then maybe next year we'll probably be back up to strength but that's just my optimism. I'm a very optimistic guy, Nathan. You might find this See, out. I'm a pessimist. I'm a pessimist. <laughs> we make a great I'm ne- team. I'm never, disapp- I'm never disappointed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, but, but yeah, you know, I, I, I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity moving forward for people in this situation. Why is everyone sitting on their asses doing nothing at the moment? Give someone something to do. Um, yeah. Give them opportunity. You know, I'm not saying dangle carrots. I'm saying let's, let's be a bit more pragmatic about how we approach this now Um, do you think this is a really i mean i personally really do knowing that some companies just don't give enough care to it and don't understand the impact it can have on them but do you think it's a good time for a lot of companies to be re-qualifying the recruiters they're working with oh yeah i mean if if they've got that much time in their hands to 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 look at the recruiters they work come on everyone says people are our number one thing okay so why using awful recruiters to represent your business because it makes my job and the other good ones (laughs) more difficult and this is and this is where you and I started chatting last week off the back of that post I made where it's talking about work with smaller businesses um, and I think this is a good time to start now looking at the marketplace um, and I'm not anti big recruitment business I, you know I cut my teeth with one of the best ones in the market which was Reed um, and got really far with them and I did really well and I loved every minute of working for those guys um, so I'm not kind of saying that big businesses are shit but why I'm saying is the small businesses right now are uh, nothing's changed for us. We can continue working the way we work. Um, and there's a lot more passion, maybe. I don't know. Um, but we seem, you know, we, we know, we get it. We know how it works in this I think kind the, of world. I think the big thing for me is, and I don't know what your opinion is, but um, genuinely good recruiters are very, very, very hard to find. Um, Correct. And, you know, say a big company has a team of 50 you can guarantee that 45 of them are bang average at best. Um, and oh, yeah. 
have yeah. four or five ones. And, you know, I think that um, recruitment is a completely personal, individual thing. Um, if you deal with one person and then deal with their colleague, you're going to have two different experiences and potentially two very different results at the end of it. Yeah. Um, because that person will be the influencing factor. Um, simple as that. that yeah. some, the, right, the right recruiter is the difference between interview, no interview, getting job, not getting job, yes. getting feedback, not getting feedback, um, missing the job and not missing the job, et cetera, et cetera, you know? Um, and I don't think people in general get this. Um, no, <laughs> you you're know? right. No, you're I right. Think, I think uh, a lot of people look at recruiters like, oh, it doesn't really matter who I use. Same product, same, same result. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And coming coming back to what you said, there were like five people out of the fifty are probably the only ones which are brilliant. Normally, that's, that's brave, by the way. Five out of the fifty, I reckon, it's probably going to be less. But uh, yeah, I, I, I would, generous. I would, uh, I was going to, I always use the, the the kind of eighty twenty split. Twenty percent of of any recruitment business is making eighty percent of the revenue. Yeah. Um, and and I think when you look, when I look at some of the companies I've worked for or um, have interviewed for, or I, I've had insight into. You're probably not far off two or three there, mate. In in most companies, if not nearly all companies, um, they have two or three absolute gems of a, of a recruiter. They have, in my humble opinion, some really good accounts, and then some bit of bob, bits and bobs on top of that. Whereas everyone else is rooting around trying to do new business, trying to find their next their next fee. And do I you know what the do you know what the thing that will always be consistent with those high performers in recruitment? Go on, go on, what? they will never need to be told what to do by anyone. They'll be doing their own thing. Yes. And I don't know if that's a little bit because their desks are doing well and the managers are like, let's just work with them and let's consult with them and just tell them to get on with it because the desks are doing well or because they're lucky they're on a desk doing well. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that, say, for example, you know, when I, when I came into um, recruitment, the company I joined were pretty much a non-entity in my in, in my sector really they, they did bits and pieces but the very very you know m- mediocre figures let's say um so you know although i joined a business that had been in the market for a while they never established themselves so you know i felt like i was hitting a cold desk pretty much <laughs> um you know the, the database was you know not very good um essentially i built my own database um you know via linkedin referrals and whatnot um and yeah, I think I only made one or two placements in my almost three years there from the database. Um, so you know, it, I, th- I think the, I think good recruiters have instincts on what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Um, and the first thing I thought when I entered recruit was, okay, put yourself in the other, in the other person's shoes. And you know, my, my my dad runs a business. So I said to him, I said, you know, if you were a, if if you were a client um, and a recruiter, and you were working with a recruiter, what do you want from them, and what don't you want? Yeah. And you know, that, that gave him a good idea early on. Um, and equally, I put myself in you know job seeker shoes. Okay, if I was using a recruiter, what would I want them to be like? You know, um, I think a lot of people think, oh, to be a recruiter, you've just got to be likable. Honestly, no. I, I would not give a who if nobody liked me. I will stu- still do a better job than ninety nine percent of people in my sector. Simple. I think. Um, I think arsehole recruiters do a really good job as well. You know, I mean, there's this. 
you you've it's not about being likable it's about being able to deliver something that it it's at the end of the day what we're delivering or isn't really on paper it's in someone's imagination most of the time and then when we go and find that particular person from their imagination extracting their imagination putting it on paper and then trying to find that person um in a sea of CVs badly written and people don't know, not knowing how to sell themselves in certain sectors, but yeah. the way we, our methodology of questioning, our methodology of asking um, on, on networking and, you know, I think getting to know your sector, there's a big argument you should be able to know your sector really well on there as well. If you don't know your sector and you don't know your market, how can you possibly know, um, say for example, job comes available, right? And I don't know about you, but I work with a lot of good companies, and the people they want also look for good, uh, also work for good companies already. So I better be offering somebody something better, otherwise I'm wasting my time. Correct. Um, and yeah. if you don't have the knowledge, don't have the market understanding, don't have the insight because you don't know enough people. I don't know about you, but if you've got a really good candidate network, you can understand what places are like to work for because there's a yeah. lot of correlations, right? Yeah. You, you get a you get a feel for the market, don't you? When you speak to enough people in in the market, you start getting a feel for certain companies. And there's always the same companies come up that are bad, and there's always the same companies that come up that are good. And then you kind of get the mediocre in the middle. And you know, you only need to speak five or six people in in one company to get a lay of the land there. Yeah. Um, and then you can say, oh, I know a guy that that could do that. That's currently upset because X, Y, and Z has just bought that business. So if I approach him, I know he's going to be interested. And 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 that's that's pretty much the knowledge that we that costs a lot of money to people. That knowledge, yeah. and, that, you know, without knowing somebody, you know, nine times out of ten, anyway, I could say, okay, I've just, I've just got this job available with this profile client, right? I know, generally speaking, what kind of companies I need to go and speak to people from for that to be of interest, because it offers something different, right? Yeah. Say, for example and I don't work with many like big blue chip companies, but say I'm working for one big blue chip company, right? Am I going to go and try and speak to people from another big blue chip company? No, because what would the motive be to move? It's like moving next door to the next terrace house, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's a really good analogy, actually. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, it, this is why I don't do legal recruitment or anything like that, because it's the same bloody it's job. Same. Dif- yeah, it's different wallpaper. That's the only thing different. Yeah. It's the same time That's type why of I love recruiting what I recruit. One, I have an interest in buildings and that. So, you know, from my perspective, being able to work with companies that design mad buildings is cool. Um, but equally, everyone I speak to has different motives. Structural engineers, facade engineers, you know, civil engineers, they all have their different motives, you know, and have different things which make them tick. And also their wants and needs change very uh, fluctuantly throughout their career. Um, yeah. based on their situation, how they need to progress, um, whether they maybe don't feel valued where they are, maybe they've got a young family nowadays, blah, blah, blah. There's so many things that can change engineers' push points, if that makes sense. That's right. That's right, yeah. That keeps it interesting because I'm not offering people another job. I, generally speaking, always am able to offer somebody potentially something better for them um, if I know my stuff well enough. Yeah, I find with engineers they're like a real challenge, like a new, fresh challenge, and it's always going for the the, the type of job that 
pays a little bit more. Everyone wants a bit more money, but yeah. also can give them an opportunity to expand their own knowledge. And that's what I find in my sector. And that's why I love it. It's enjoyable speaking to companies with strange new products and different types of methodology of manufacturing things, or they're really cool manufacturer. Like they, they make um, space rockets or electronics for, for cars or fighter jets or something like that. And you kind of, you, you, you kind of look at it and go, wow, this is pretty cool. And then you find candidates because you've got the passion as well. Because I love engineering, as you probably remember, know from, from my LinkedIn. Um, yeah. And you could talk passionate about it and you could talk shop about it as well. And people like intrigues them and then they go for it. And, and it sometimes works with that, that little part of their brain that, that excites them to go to work every day. Um, yeah. so that's, that's why I love this, this sector, why I recruit the sector. And it upsets me. This sector is doing crap at the moment. And it's, well, it's not, not bloody alone, put it that way. Yeah. Uh, so I Vancouver, mean, Vancouver, mate. So I was going to ask you, it just clicked in my head then. Sorry before you go. <laughs> um, so you're living in Vancouver or, or staying in Vancouver or what was, what's the situation? Right. Let's, let, let's, let's get on to Vancouver and I'm going to pretty much sell Vancouver to the world in a minute. Um, go on, go on. Make your <laughs> point, make your point. Sorry, let's, talk come back, let's come back to the clients not qualifying their recruitment partners. So essentially, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of good clients, a lot of whom will just use me unless I fail, basically. Um, and then I've got other clients who it seems will just use anyone that gives them a call and says, have you got any jobs? I, I, I can fill that for you, basically. Um, but if a client and a company, one, haven't qualified their recruiter to know that they can go out and represent them effectively, and also whether that person's somebody they want representing their business, right? Yeah. Um, because yeah. who you've got representing your business and how they do it is a direct reflection on how much you give a shit about your recruitment processes, right? Yeah. And that has a direct link back to how much you really care about hiring the right people. I agree. Um, Totally agree. I think a lot of companies could do a lot more to make sure that the people representing them are doing a good job of it and are seen in a positive light <laughs> when they're doing it, if that makes sense. Um, and I don't think there's enough of that happening qualification-wise from clients with recruiters, which is why you see a lot of people wow. moaning, saying, oh, they said they'll deliver this and they said they'll do this. But you didn't qualify them to whether they could do it in the first place. You just said, yeah, go on then. Um, <laughs> you know? Um, That's exactly what happened. Or you just get an email in your inbox saying, here's a job for you to work on. And you're kind of like, okay, can I have a conversation with you about this role? And they don't speak to you. They don't want to speak to you on the phone. They just want candidates. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not working that job. Simple uh, that. Oh, <laughs> spot on, mate. That's exactly it. If I can't get at least a 30, 40 minute conversation about that job, the company, um, before I make a decision if I can help them or not, then I'm I'm not working that job. I, I will tell them straight outright as well. I can't even if yeah, I'm maybe. desperate for work, I will tell them. But I'll try yeah. to explain to them why we need to have that conversation. And I would say eighty percent of the time they say, All right, let's have an half an hour and, and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The jobs I always fill are the jobs I sit in front of them and, and yes. at their offices or in their or in their manufacturing units, walking around their building and hearing what, what they got to say about their business and, and why they, they work for that company. And, and this, this comes on to my next point. So I don't know about you, but if I don't know my client in their business well enough and more emphasis on the client as in the person or the people, mm. I can only do a half job for that client because I don't care what anyone says, whether you're in engineering, manufacturing, IT, tech or anything else there is still a massive element of people by people, right? So, okay, great. If I can sell your business, that's one part of the sale. 
if you want me to take it next level when the results go next level as well, yeah. enable me to sell you as well, for God's sake. Um, and I don't know about you, but I have um, a moral compass and ethics, right? So I can't lie about somebody. I can't sell somebody I don't know. I just won't sell that part of it, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. But if I can sell the people because I trust and believe in them and, you know, um, mm. Yeah, mainly believing. But right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, but oh. even believing in them though, if the job is a bag of shit, then they have to sack the last guy. And, and it was, you know, they're in a bit of a pickle and a bit of a mess. And they say to you, "Hey, the problem with this job, it's X, Y, and Z. We can't seem to get anyone to stick in the job. It might be us being shit managers." And they admit you for being that. I can still work with that because yeah, they're, they're honest. Because they're honest, and and then you work with the candidate and say, look, it's not an actual phenomenal situation. It's a bit of a challenge. Are you up for a challenge? Because this is this is what's going on. Yeah. And I, I then sometimes, especially if it's a sales role, I coach the candidate to come come to an interview with the presentation how they're going to rock their world. And do you, I, know, do you know what the other thing is? If you're going to sell a job well, it better not all be positives, right? No, it's, it, to, it shouldn't be. You, it shouldn't you be. have to throw a negative or two in there because otherwise you're making somebody believe that there's a perfect job. And, you know, Mark, there's better jobs. There's no perfect jobs. Oh, there's, and that's the thing. And, and, and also, um, Mitch Sullivan kind of points out a few times on, on some of his blogs is, you know, you, companies, most companies have shit jobs, so you can't sell it as the best thing ever. So just admit to it, it's not the best thing ever. It is a standard job, but this is what they're given. They've got to give something, a little bit of something. If it's leaving, leaving work at 12 o'clock on a Friday or, you know what I mean, it's got to be something to make it, appealing to the to the majority that can't get into the brilliant jobs but don't want the shit shit jobs they're just you know quite happy just to plod along there's another another way to look at that as well coming back to your uh, earlier point or one of them um you can go and recruit good people for shit jobs yeah because some good people want a problem to solve oh mate managers are the best ones for that you get a manager with a problem and you tell them it's a bag of shit and they need to solve it you haven't queuing up (laughs) <laughs> you really do that's your job right yeah yeah exactly but some people if, if they've got you know certain ambitions and whatnot being able to turn certain situations into better situations is an accolade for the future right um, yeah so you know what have you done for your previous company oh yeah. i've done you know the generic stuff what have you done oh i've done the generic stuff and i did this this and this to help improve things yeah when i was a manager in recruitment i took the shit jobs I actually took them and turned them around and made them look good. And I learned a lot for myself more than anything, not just for my CV. But when you tell the story to people, yeah, I took that team. They were, they were minus 120 grand down. And then when I left them, they were plus 250 grand up. So and, you're a better man than me. I will never be a good <laughs> I will never be a good people manager. I'm, I, and I, I know myself very well, okay? Yeah, um, and I love that. I'm not it. a good manager. I'm not a good mentor because I find... I find it, and this this is probably a really bad thing to say as a recruiter, but I find explaining how I do things and how it's different very difficult, three words. Um, I can do it in process. I can do it in theory um, as a practical assignment. But if you said to me right now, explain exactly how you do things and how it's different, I probably yeah. wouldn't be able to articulate it well enough. I'm glad that you think you, you know that about yourself because you got, I've got people or I know people, I've worked with people who became managers and they haven't got the ability to be a manager. They have the desire. Don't get me wrong, but they have yeah, yeah, yeah. very little ability to be the manager. Some people just want the power, right? Yeah. Power trips, power trips where I went into management because I freaking loved 
fixing things. Being an engineer, yeah. I, honestly, fixing something was was it was a it's a passion even to this moment in time. I love fixing problems, and that's what made me go into management and recruitment. It's not fucking easy. I could tell you that much, mate. It is a bag of rubbish, and it's really difficult to do. Really Before difficult we- to do. Before we get into Vancouver and um, how... We could push Vancouver further down, it's fine. <laughs> I was yeah, just well, fascinated. We'll, 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 get, we'll get to how marvellous that place is shortly. Yeah. Uh, but if you could give, um, and we'll do this for both clients and people slash candidates, yeah. um, both of whom are ultimately people. Um, I, I don't like calling people clients and candidates, to be honest, um, but for the sake of this, I will. Um, but essentially, if you were to give three pointers to first of all clients on how to qualify a recruitment partner what would what tips would you give them okay i think the probably the main one is can they do the job so um, how do you find that out so look at the website i think social media now is phenomenal because people um can see well I, I mean people can see inside to what i do my personality what i put out there there's loads of information so if you look at look them up on on google because i think sometimes a lot of recruitment agencies put this poster boy website up saying they do x y and z but really what's going on in the background they've churned 100 percent of their staff in the last six months no one's <laughs> really a specialist and, they, and <laughs> do you know what i mean and and uh, and you know they, they've hired a load of 19 year olds and don't know what they're doing but they're smashing the phones every day um yeah i, I haven't got a problem with that you know there's 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 i, I think that, that i think there is problems with it but i've got all the time in the world for these um you know young kids that do oh yeah yeah sell you know go on sell 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 um but ultimately um i feel like they lack one massive element which is life experience yeah and therefore they can't empathize with people on the right level yeah and especially if they're trying to put senior senior people into quite freaking oh. serious jobs 200 grand a year jobs yeah just just take it mate just make the move yeah come on, come on. <laughs> why why so that's that's the first point can they do the job have they got the experience and the necessity you know they don't need to have worked with a company like yours but have they got a track record or can demonstrate a track record at least that they've filled jobs full stop that are technical have done it with companies like yours right? yeah fan, yeah if they if the, you know if, say for instance you ask them a question have you ever filled this type of job and they go yeah yeah i filled that type of job with company x last year if yeah. they say they did it last week i'd question every, i question they're fucking telling the truth because in my sector there's no way you're filling the same job every week you know yeah. what i mean it's it's a different roll every now and again so you could you got to use your brain you can specialize you can focus but you, you make yourself in these scenarios like recessions and stuff like that you make yourself kind of redundant very quickly if you specialize yeah. too deeply but so that's that's point number one and the same with candidates as well when you're giving your cv to these recruitment companies yeah you know, what jobs have they got what have they recruited and and share the way they say it because if they say to you oh sorry john i haven't got any jobs in this sector i last time i recruited was last year but what i'll do i'll have a little chat with a couple of people i think might be recruited give them your cv but if they say to you yeah thanks i'll put that on my database fuck no you're not putting that on your database you're not even fucking well, speaking to me to, to be fair if, if some if, if a recruiter said to me if i asked a recruiter what experience they have who they work with what their track record is what relationship they have blah 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 mm. and they start sounding like they're talking rubbish or making things up 100%. I'm, ter- I'm terminating that call straight up in a nice way um <laughs> but yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm terminating that call i want to work with someone that knows 
what they're talking about. I want to be with someone that can influence that outcome, you know, and actually add to the process rather than just using people for their own benefit, if that makes sense. Yeah. As a recruiter, you can benefit somebody as well as them benefiting you. That's when you earn your money. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So that's the first part I would do. Second part then of that is communication. How well do they communicate? Um, so when you get to that point, you can kind of understand how well they communicate just from the meeting or from the conversation on the phone with yeah. them. But then ask them, how are you going to continue communicating with me over the next couple of weeks, months, whatever length of time it takes to fill this job? And if they, they say, oh, I'll just every Friday I'll send you an email, I think that's still talking bullshit. I think yeah. it's, it's a case of, you know, what I normally do. So th- these are the words I think clients need to hear. What I normally do is send an email every Friday and it will just say I'm, I'm continuing working or this is what I'm doing, blah, 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 blah. How would you like me to communicate? You know, and then see if the client wants to throw back at you. Similar with candidates. Candidates, I find, if you, if you just send them one email a week saying, I haven't got anything for you this week, sorry about that, or no feedback on this job, sorry about that, they are blown away because you are probably the only person in their world right yeah. now doing that. Um, whereas they got 40, 50, maybe hundreds of applications out, and not one have come back to them. And you're the one yeah. that's saying, sorry, mate, nothing's come back yet. Apologies yeah. for that. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just it's just care right yeah it's just care and then i think it's after care is important as well but that's probably secret answer bonus answer number four before that after care is the process the type of candidates going forward have they understood the brief are they making mistakes or are they making mistakes purposely to figure out where the problem is so they they're, they're testing the boundaries of that vacancy and they're not just slapping over crap like four or five you, you a client came to me the other day about a cnc turner and uh, i said to him you know you're not going to get many candidates from me because you're in the middle of nowhere and um the chances you're finding someone good for this role is going to be quite slim and he goes yeah i'm expecting you to send me one candidate by the end of may and i, I was like oh okay that's okay so the, realistic realistic so when the client sees their inbox filling up the next day with applicants they know you're not a good agency because it's not going to be a fucking good candidate yeah. so, so they know it's it's so companies understand it um and, and i think also built into those answers as well is don't be a car salesman you know it, <laughs> You see what I mean? Don't be a used car salesman. They don't want to fucking hear the sales patter. They just want to yeah. hear you. You know, I say mate too much to my managing director. I call everyone mate, and it, yeah. it's just it's just a natural yeah. thing for me. You know, it's, it's I, just I call it's HR like, ladies mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how, how, how you doing, mate? You know, it's, it's not me being rude. It's just me. You know, yeah. um, and. Uh, I mean, come, come and, you know, even if you can do all those things, like prove you've got a track record, prove you can do the job, prove you know what you're talking about. Is there then another element of personality, which in turn affects approach? I agree. Because how a company, yeah. how somebody is uh, as a, in a recruiter's shoes, you, that person needs to, their approach needs to be right. Because the last thing you want is, I, th- I believe a recruiter can even make or break your employer brand, basically. Um, and if you have somebody running around that is a car salesman, as you put it, yeah. um, that's dangerous territory. Because like, oh my god, they've actually assigned this guy, like or girl, whatever. You know, they they're, they're comfortable working with this person. Yeah, 
I, I agree. I agree. And I think as, I think natural recruiters as well, like any natural solicitor or any, any good plumber or any good kind of carpenter or anyone like that, it's not about the money. The charge is, is the, is the fee um, for, for doing the job the, the, for every good recruiter, it should be about the, the pleasure of doing that job for that client so that there's an opportunity then for either repeat business or a good testimonial for your future business. And yeah. if you get that right, you never have to do cold calling BD all your life. You will get a reputation. Um, and for me, that's what I try to go for over constantly trying to fill jobs and trying to make money in a blind panic way that I see other recruitment companies do. Um, yeah. And yeah, that that's that's kind of my perspective on there. To be honest with you, do you agree? Do you agree with all that? Do you agree with kind of everything I've put together yeah, there? Very, very much so. I, 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 just, I just think that there's a lot of um, you know a lot of companies, even even some of my clients that I could know a lot better, um, if that makes sense, on a deeper level, which would help me and in turn help them. You know. Yeah. Um, and but most of my clients, you know, I've worked with for years and I know them in and out you know um and that helps me that's why i can have a hundred percent job to fill ratios with some of them and whatnot you know even over in the us and canada you know if you're holding 100 percent job to fill ratios whilst you're working from your bloody wardrobe in the uk something's got to have enabled you to do that it's not luck right um, no, no <laughs> it's not no it's perfect it's it's it is professionalism and, and who you are as a person that that's what's done that what um, do you think about um I've got, I've got a few i've got a few friends who i became friends without in vancouver coincidentally um but uh you know i moved a, f- a few engineers and technicians out there that are all my kind of age you know so you know they're, they're all sound we get along really well end up going to bloody portland with a few of them for my birthday weekend blah 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 and uh you know, they were joking around and uh, one of them said, uh, you know, we're, we're your cash cows. And, uh, you know, we had, we had a good joke about it. And I said, um, with all due respect, you wouldn't have this great job you're in if it wasn't for me. You wouldn't have got it if it wasn't for me. Um, and that's not me being harsh. That's me being truthful. Yeah. You know, if, if I look back over the f- past five years, particularly the past three and a half, four years, when I've really kind of known what I'm talking about, um, the amount of placements i've made where i have genuinely made something possible for someone which is miles better than what they had and will benefit them massively in the future you know the number of those cases where if it wasn't for me that wouldn't have happened and they wouldn't be in the better position they are in now that's massive so it really annoys me when people look at you like oh yeah you know i'm the person who makes you your money it's like no it's a bit of both you know um <laughs> like it's yeah. definitely yeah, I think so, but I think that's what differentiates us from from the bigger companies to this to you know to our size companies, where we don't do it just for the money, just for that. You know, we do 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 it for the thrill of the job, and that's probably why I always am passionate about self-employed guys. I'm not saying that employed guys are not passionate about their jobs, but there is a I distinct. We don't still passionate. Yeah, there's a distinct difference, though. I know there is in myself. There's a distinct difference being yeah. self-employed to when I was employed. And you said earlier on, you touched upon it. Do some of them really care? And I'll be honest with you. At some points in my career, when I was working for people, I didn't care enough, um, and I didn't believe in the brand or didn't believe in what was being peddled, because someone but did. Would... You always believe in yourself. Correct. Yes, I, w- I always believed in myself. So yeah. I just knew there was a higher kind of purpose for me later on. But I, all I was doing at those times was trying to realize, where do I fit in this? How do I work in this? And I spent more time worrying about that than I did actually doing the job sometimes. 
Um, and that was quite worrying. Um, but that's only in one or two companies because they, their brand is a mess. Their yeah. management was a mess. So they didn't understand what they wanted, let alone yeah. what they wanted of their people at the same time. Um, and in that position, it can be quite hard to influence as well because ultimately you're not having the last say, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you're right. Cause you proved it before in the last job. And that's the thing about when I see recruiters move from job to job, they go from a really good job to a, suddenly they're the worst kind of recruiter in, in the world when they're not making money in the new job is because yeah. the, the thing that made them do well in one job, they couldn't do in the next job because they were forced yeah. certain KPIs or certain call times or whatever the hell it was. So yeah. Well, my methodology was when it came to uh, leaving where I was beforehand, I just started thinking, well, you know, I end up coming to the office. I use the phone in the computer. I go home, I go to the gym, I go, I, I, I get home finally, I start working again from my mobile. And the way I saw it was, this is all me. All I'm doing is using someone's phone and laptop. Yeah. And you know, now I'm almost two and a half years in and I proved that's what was happening. I was just using a phone and a laptop in another place. Um, <laughs> you know, nothing theoretically has changed except, you know, I've broadened into other markets blah 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 which i'm very thankful for now that things are how they are you know what a bloody wonder move that was yeah um, but um you know from a um from an actual day-to-day -day perspective i guess nothing has really changed except the need to do things just a little bit better than i was yeah and then everything's on your shoulders. Your marketing's on your shoulders. Paying VATs on your shoulders. <laughs> Doing everything else is on your shoulders. And that's the stressful part of running your own business. That's what I found. So, Let's yeah. get on to Vancouver. What yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> what do you want to know? So what the, Vancouver is an interesting place. I've got a friend that lives over in Vancouver. Oh, what, lucky them. Yeah. What's the connection then? So how did you get over there? What was, what was kind of... Uh, so um, basically, obviously, coming back to kind of entering new markets and whatnot. So the first um, just under three years of my time in recruitment, I was solely focused on the UK, mainly London, right? Mm. Um, and I did that because I used to be an estate agent. And in coming back to what I said earlier as well about my previous company, at least from an engineering perspective, not really cementing themselves in the market. Um, you know, when I went there, I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus on one geographical area. Yeah. And they were like, why? You're going to be spread really thin. I was like, I'd rather be spread thin but dominate something than be kind of uh, in and out of various markets and never really cementing anything. Yeah. Um, and also from our shoes, if you've got a real good presence in one geographical area, both in terms of clients and candidate network, you've got a lot of crossover, a lot more value you can add to both sides, et cetera, et cetera. Gotcha. And it makes sense. It's no different to being an estate agent, which is what I was before. If you know your patch better than the next guy going out valuing and, you know, um, doing appraisals and whatnot, and you can demonstrate that you're yeah. going to win business. It is as simple as that because you know your stuff better than anyone else. Um, so essentially, you know, once I, once I went, self-employed it kind of gave me that flexibility you know i can work on a search in seattle or la or san jose or whatever at two o'clock in the morning and not worry about having to be back in the office at 8 30 you know yeah. um you know, have a lane the next day till 10 o'clock or whatever no problem and make it work for me so essentially the link to the link to vancouver is very strange because the first um move i made internationally was into new york um and that actually coincidentally ended up being referred to another one of uh, my, the, the, my client's offices out in the States, which was in Seattle. Yeah. And their headquarters was in Vancouver. 
Um, so essentially now, yeah, I mean, they're now, um, well, last year anyway, um, were, yeah, my biggest client, you know. Um, so they got offices, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton in Canada, and then uh, New York, Seattle, and one in Germany. Um, and, uh, you know, that's essentially what started it. So I went into New York first, and then Seattle, and then Vancouver. Uh, and then I think Toronto came next, and then L.A., and now San Jose and San Francisco. So, so you travel around these places, or is it just Vancouver you go to? Because Yeah, my, my main, I, I mean, I've been to most of them. I haven't been down to LA or San Fran yet. I was going to do that. So I, was, I, was, I only got back about a week and a half ago, and I was going to go down to LA and San Fran in the summer, because I was only planning on coming back here for five, six weeks. It's now going to be a lot longer. Um, but uh, yeah, I was planning on doing that in the summer because I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go down to LA this time because I had a winter wardrobe and it was still hot in LA. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to spend the money to go to San Francisco, which isn't cheap if no. it was going to rain potentially. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll hold on that. But yeah, you know, I've spent a lot of time in, in the past six months. I think I spent three and a half, four months of it in Vancouver. Um, and uh yeah been been to new york love new york but um i don't think i could ever i don't think i could look at new york in the same way as vancouver as in i could actually live here um, really is that nice of a place i've, I've heard that yeah. by the way i've heard yeah, that Van- vancouver vancouver for me is somewhere that i can very much see myself moving and having now trialed the best part of three and a half four months um of being there and still making everything work but in a reverse way so having to get up earlier to hit the uk rather than being awake late to hit the us um yeah, yeah. it works you know so from a from a life point of view business isn't affected by being halfway across the world um it just relies on me doing what i need to do to make it work what what's the what's the word on the street over there for recruitment in vancouver then is it like here in the uk or, or no, is it different it's so it's so different um so effectively um I'm pretty sure I'm the only, um, this is going to sound so bad, um, but I'm pretty sure it's how it is, or at least this is what I've been told. Um, but I'm the only recruiter in my space really worth talking about in, in, in Canada. Wow. Um, and the US isn't very different. They've got a lot of different teams, but no one that really specializes. So it's been really easy to take to the market. And there has not been a, a company prospective client that I haven't um, developed and built a relationship with if they've given me the chance. That's um, Because it's such a, it's not the norm out there to use a recruiter, right? Um, no, no. But it's because they don't understand the benefits of using the right recruiter and maybe because they don't have a good recruiter doing what I do in their sector out there. Um, so it's all, it's all very new. Like, you know, this, this company I mentioned that are now, you know, my biggest client last year, had never used a recruit recruiter before me about 18 months ago and since then i've had about 16 jobs for wow because i i've my friend that lives out in in vancouver um she might listen to this um she, she said she says to me that she totally respects the uk recruitment market she thinks we're a completely different world and, yeah. and a different level of game um and she can't get over it she's learned so much from the uk recruiters yeah. um she can't get over how you know, it's it's the same big names we have in this country, and how they're bad in that country, um, but they seem to have their game on in this country, and it's the same company, some some in some respects. But she yeah. can't believe how um, a lot of the time, and, and and this opened my eyes up to it as well. They don't 
do 360 recruitment like this. It's all 180. And if you get given an opportunity... I don't get this. I don't get 180 recruitment. It, 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 it makes no sense to me. How can you... How can you... How can you... Uh, you know, really believe in what you're doing if you're only doing half the process or only know yeah. half the process. So yeah, 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 you can yeah, have yeah. a recruiter going and recruiting for a job where they don't know the company or the people firsthand. So how can they hand on heart be confident in what they're doing? It's deliverable of that, isn't it? It's really difficult to deliver that. And this is what she was saying. A lot of the jobs out there are all delivery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, coming back to, you know, you, you said earlier about getting an email and they, them saying, oh, here's a job. And you saying, can we have a chat? And them not coming back to you, so you don't work on the job. Um, I could not work on a job where I don't know the company firsthand and I don't know the people firsthand. I'm wasting my time. Yeah. All I can do is call somebody, speak to somebody, and give them very a very grey idea of what it is. You know, if I'm going to go and do a job, I'm going to do it properly, right? I and agree. to do it properly, I need to know the company. I need to know what's good about. It. I need to know what's bad about it, and I need to know the people. Otherwise, I can't do it. And equally, I will prioritise other jobs where I do have all of those boxes ticked because I'm going to fill them. Yes, and this is where a lot of people need to understand about that, is that we will prioritise companies that we can work with and we can fill the jobs. and, and cause we, In the, the way we need to. In the way we need to. And when it become challenging, any little process in that cha- – sorry, any little thing in the, cha- in the process challenges us that makes us – spend less time on or forces us to spend less time or more time on something than necessary then we will push it further down the list and sometimes not even look at it at all and, and tell them to, to do one <laughs> with the vacancy yeah. but um no it's, it's interesting speaking to people across the world and, and linkedin has is, is opened up my my kind of world of other recruiters and i get a lot of americans and a lot of canadians speak to me and ask me my my thoughts on things um in the recruitment space and it generally is quite worrying that in canada and in and in uh, in america especially um the, the struggle they have with recruiters and how they don't it, it's just a strange world it's just a different it's world a, for it's, us. A diff, it's, a, it's a very different world i mean i yeah. am i'm coming back to um these people i've become friends with over in vancouver and whatnot you know um they, one of them said to me um because one of them sits opposite one of the key hiring managers and he says, they get, they, they, they've started getting calls from other recruiters, obviously wanting business might've caught on to what you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he said, the guy's name, he, he said, Bob or whatever. He just yeah. tells them to go away because they've already got a really, really good service. Um, and it's like, you know, if, if, if you're delivering, um, and you're and or, or you've got a supplier that delivers time and time again and really gives a shit and you know works for you you know um first and foremost i work for people my loyalties are to the people right um and you know if i'm if i'm not delivering i feel bad if i'm delivering i'm happy etc etc you know my mood depends on you know whether the people around me are happy in their moods you know um i've always been like that i've always been somebody where my mood is mostly reliant on the people that i care about and their mood yeah. you know? yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I know what you mean. but um yeah it's something which keeps me motivated put it that way because yeah i hate i hate letting people down it really pisses me off 
yeah, I agree. And whenever you take a job and it takes longer than you, you know, longer than it should to fill because of whatever conditions in the market, I feel yeah. really bad, and I, I, I apologize profusely. And I know it's not my fault. I just feel bad yeah. about <laughs> it. I just, yeah. and if I fail to fill a job, I'm like, oh Jesus, I'm so sorry. So what I did lately, uh, last year, um, there was two jobs I picked from a company, and I generally thought I could fill them. Jerry thought I could fill him. Got six weeks down the line, and, and I was like, I can't find anyone. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to phone one of my competitors and get them to fill it. And he's like, what? <laughs> I was like, well, luckily I knew them. So I just phoned yeah, one of my yeah. friends and I said, can you do me a massive favor, mate? Can you take this job on and fill it? Because I'm fucking struggling. Yeah, um, well, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing as what I'll say, you know, to my good clients who I know, you know, just work with me at least within within reason for like at least two or three weeks, you know, um, give, give, me a, give me a good shot at it because, you know, good recruitment doesn't happen overnight. If you want, if you want the quickest and speediest hire, I can give you that sometimes if I got someone ready if I got someone readily available. Yeah. Person, I need time to go and prepare my long list. I need time to go and prospect with those people. I need time to go and follow up with those people because you know you might hit someone once and they won't catch it. You need yeah. to hit them a second time so they register it. Um, and then after that, I need to go through the getting to know and interview process. You know, and then from that, I need to shortlist. You know. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. If you want recruitment done properly, set aside the time or give someone enough notice to be able to do it properly. Correct. 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 It's not, it's not rocket science, is it? <laughs> it's not. You, you would think so. You no. Would, you would think so. Right? So, why, why are they, so that was a question I forgot to ask you then on the Vancouver uh, part of it. Why are they getting yeah. it so wrong, wrong out there then? What, what is the problem with recruitment I don't, I, don't, I, I, I don't know i know there's i know there's recruiters out there yeah not oh, necessarily in my sector um, yeah so yeah i don't know why that is i think i think ah okay yes okay i do know why it is and i can understand this so say for example you were and this this is really strange okay so i work in various markets okay london is by far the biggest market from an engineering point of view at least from an employer's perspective okay right so in london i could name you 25 at least 25 design consultancies worth knowing about who are all good okay um in new york for example which is a bigger city than london bigger population there's probably only 10 11 12 consultancies worth knowing so straight away it's saturated twice as much by half the level of employers um and it's the same in any of those other markets la san francisco seattle vancouver toronto all these places and you know minus la these are all smaller cities than new york or london for example um and in these places the markets are sucked up by no more than 10 companies um so the markets are smaller is the answer so I don't think that, say, for example, you were a structural engineer and recruiting Vancouver and Vancouver was your market. You haven't got enough of a market is the answer. Oh, that's why. The, the niche is too small to specialize in it. So they bolted onto someone else's desk whilst they're doing. Probably. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. They could be doing structural engineers and they could be doing this and they could be doing that. So it's all yeah, like and you've big... also got to think that down the West coast of the U S there's a massive tech boom, right? So, and yeah. this has been ongoing for years. So that's where a lot of the, well, I think there's better markets to recruit in if you live on the West coast of the States or Canada, for example. Yeah. Well, the tech booms will need buildings. So the service systems out in, you know, death Valley and stuff like that. So I think, I think, 
it's, yeah, but when you've got Amazon and Google and true. Microsoft, etc., all moving into, you know, a lot of them moved into Seattle in recent years um, because cost of living and everything in San Francisco was going too high. So, you know, certain companies moved into Seattle so they could recruit staff because, you know, people were moved, flooding out of San Francisco. It became too expensive. Yeah. Where, can, where can we set up new headquarters? Oh, Seattle is a bit cheaper. It's only up the road. Um, yeah. yeah I'd ask out the road a few hours, right? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, similar, you know, down the West Coast, West Coast cultures, you know, as far from Seattle down to maybe like Portlandy kind of area, yeah, San, San Francisco, it's, it's all quite similar, you know? It's only once you get down to like, maybe like um, LA that the culture changes a little bit. It's a different, it's almost European-esque, isn't it? The culture, yeah. kind of that way. It's yeah. it's strange. If I was living in America and a corporation business, I'd look at Chicago or Detroit. It's cheap as anything over there. I'd love to get into the Chicago market. I haven't even touched it yet. Um, haven't even tried or even market mapped it, but yeah. it's a phenomenal city. I, um, I'd, yeah. Offline, we need to have a conversation how to get into the American market because I'd love yeah, to do sure. manufacturing across across America. I would love to kind of get into that, that marketplace. And I've got a few connections already, and I speak to them about recruitment in, in, uh, in America, but mostly from a... A professional point of view where I say to them, this is where you probably get most of your candidates from, or this is how I would do it. Um, it's the best move I ever made, because I'll tell you another thing as well. Not in Canada, because once you convert back, the salaries are pretty much comparable with the UK. All right. Like in the US, for example. Um, okay, so um, let me just get Google up real quick. But say, for example, a good structural engineer in London, okay, um, with four years' experience, is probably going to earn around 40k okay so in you know in american dollars that's 50 grand yeah um, in the states somebody of four years experience same person would probably earn around 85 to 90 thousand if not a bit more usd um so when you convert 90 thousand usd back to gbp you're talking about 72,000 pound so there's a twenty-two thousand pound differential there. Twenty-two thousand, you know, wow. differential for doing the same job in a different place. Gosh, the good thing is that if you're British, the only way you're getting out to the US to work is if you win the green card lottery, um, <laughs> or uh, yeah. if you have dual citizenship or something. You know, if we have a trade deal with them, though, would we be more? open to a green card so we could we get more could we i heard something my brother who's much more intelligent than me um and knows a fair bit about business said that there could potentially be free movement between the states and canada at some point if certain deals are struck Mm. it seems like the future then for the british people could be bloody, a bit bloody phenomenal um, oh, I mean, the amount- that freedom of movement god um yeah can you imagine uh, yeah, can you imagine the amount of jobs the amount of jobs we could get in america They're screaming out for british people absolutely yeah. screaming out because the I mean, blanket- I mean, coming back to the point it's basically two two uh two placements in london is worth one in the states god alive that's mental absolutely mental yeah so it was, you know, not just good in terms of diversifying into different markets in case one goes down and, you know, others can stay up and whatnot. Um, maybe not in this situation, but usually, um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's a case of just diversifying yourself. And also for me, 
it gives me something different, you know. I love getting to know good people, right? And, you know, in London, I know a lot of people and, you know, I will continue to know all those people. But freshening things up in my world means going to a new market probably um, to get to know new people and give you something different, right? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. This is uh, this is the future, I think, for us British recruiters, especially as the world uh, for after Brexit starts opening up. Well, we hope opens up for us. I think we can get a bit more global what we do. Um, so yeah. So I'm going to end this, Nathan. This is this has been absolutely amazing. Considering by the way. that we had no cards and no basis for a conversation, we did well. Um, I think we did all right. Yeah. We did this ad hocly, didn't we? We spoke last week in, in LinkedIn off the back of a, a post I made. And uh, we thought, let's do a podcast because we seem to have a lot of good opinions about things that we agree on. So uh, it's been brilliant. Opinions? Me? Opinions? No. <laughs> no. Opinions? Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, brilliant. It's been an absolute pleasure, Nathan. Thank you very much for your time. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that. Really like Nathan. Uh, we've just got talking in the last couple of weeks, and it's amazing how a, a crisis, a scenario, gets everyone talking, gets everyone thinking, gets everyone. Basically, we're all the same. We we all have the same problems. We all have the same issues, and we're now realizing that in this crisis. Um, so we're now talking more to each other, and I have loads of conversations, and hopefully, I'll get a couple of them onto a podcast for future use as well. So I really hope you enjoyed that, and I really hope you can join me again. Take care and be safe. Bye-bye.